Good morning. It is good once again to be with you in this great cathedral on Trinity Sunday. It is normal for the bishop to be here on Trinity. I think it's because they just think a bishop is less likely to preach heresy on Trinity Sunday than maybe one of these other guys up here. Not sure about that, but um, it, it's possible. And it's not probable, but anyway. Um, I want to start by um, sort of reminding us of a truth about the way things are in life is that most of us know that there are a lot of places and a lot of communities and a lot of uh, businesses and whatnot that use very short, pithy statements that pull a lot of things about who they are into those very small sets of words. So, for instance, if you go to Trinity's website, or if you even just look on the front page of your uh, bulletin, it says, an open and welcoming congregation. By saying that, you say a lot about who you are, and, um, and yet, and yet it, it's in kind of a, a, a way that you don't really know all of what it means uh, until you've been here a while. If you go to the diocesan website, it's a little harder to find, I'm, I'm afraid, but in that one, it says, proclaiming God's realm while living gospel lives. It says a lot about what we try to do as a diocese. My wife worked for 20 years at St. Catherine's, uh, a university in Minnesota. And at St. Catherine's, their whole mission statement was simply this, educating women to lead and influence. Again, a huge amount of information packed into just a very short few words. Many of you probably saw Michael Curry preaching at the royal wedding, and while he didn't say this, I don't believe, in quite this way during that wedding, his whole sermon was, um, can be encapsulated into something Michael has said a whole lot. And what he says is, if it's not about love, it's not about God. Again, tremendous amount of information in just a small few words. Our scriptures are full of these very small statements that say a lot in just a few words. And today, you heard one of those. In fact, this is probably the most known statement in all of scripture. For God so loved the world that God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. That's a statement that has been used a whole lot to say a variety of things, uh, some of which I don't think were really meant by the framers and the writer of that particular saying because what it invites us to think about is a sort of ransom theory of atonement. There's this particular way that Jesus lived and died and rose and saved us by doing his death on the cross bit, and, and then we go off on, uh, on a whole sort of way of understanding God and Jesus. And it's only one particular way that we have talked about in the length of, of Christianity about who God is and what God is doing. But those words have been embedded, at least in this last century, with a whole lot of information that I think is, um, is not accurate. And here's why. 
The church at the time this was written was primarily small communities trying to figure out what it meant to live together in Christ with one another. And they were really trying to find those small pithy statements that could remind them of what they most believed. And I think what that sentence actually simply means is the same thing Michael Curry was talking about. If it's not about love, it's not about God. That Jesus was about loving one another and loving God and sacrificing and giving himself because of the love that he shared with them. And that's at core what our Lord was talking about. Now, it's one thing to talk about all of this, and it's another thing to experience it. Um, It's another thing to actually live in life in such a way as that you have an experience of the presence of God in your life. My hunch is that every single person in this cathedral today has had such an experience, and my suspicion is that they have been varied. Let me give you an experience that I had that I think it was just one of those moments in life when I knew God was present. I was walking on the Camino de Santiago, and I was staying in a little, little hotel, Refugio it's called, uh, and everybody else went to dinner, and I was there and one other woman. And we were sitting huddled around a fire because it was a very cold night and there wasn't, and, uh, there wasn't much uh, heat in the room and, and it was just as much. And she was from Germany and she had just, just enough English and I had almost no German, but we could, we could sort of communicate to one another. And she didn't know I was a priest. At the time I was a, a, a clergy person, a priest in the Diocese of Minnesota. She didn't know that. She just knew I was a human being. And, and in the midst of that congregation, conversation, she began to tell me about her life. And one of the things she said is that one of the people in her life was her son, and that her son was a, an older adult, but he lived at home. And the reason he did was because he had mental issues that were going to mean he was going to be at home forever. And she looked at me at one point in that conversation, and she said, I don't want to go home. And in that moment, we both knew she would. She knew she would. But she was telling me one of the deepest and hardest truths of her life, that that was a hard thing to do and a hard thing to want, to love that son so much that she would go back. And I just had this sense that God was present to us as we had that conversation. The Camino de Santiago is full of of moments when you get to be with strangers and hear their story or share your own. One of the stories, uh, about three or four uh, days into my first Camino, my feet were like bloody and terrible. I'd had nuns pray over my feet. It was miserable. And this woman walked up to me and she said, Michael, I'm glad you're on the Camino. I said, why is that? She said, because I'm glad there's somebody whose feet are worse than mine. (laughs) We all know what it is like to have God in our life. 
And my hunch is that that's something we strive for and wish for and, and hope for and work for daily. And sometimes we're blessed to actually see God at work in our lives. In this community at Trinity, you do that daily. You do that as you offer food or housing or consolation or conversation with someone. You do that in the community groups that I know are gathered in this space. Some of you are sitting in a pew you have sat in for years. And a few of you are displaced today because we got people special up front. <laughs> but you can get back in your pew next week. And I know that you're sitting there because your friends are around you. Or if you're new. That kind of community is possible in this place. And that's what it means to live in the kingdom of God. When Nicodemus was there uh, asking his question of, of Jesus, he was really trying to say, I know you're of God, so tell me what it means to live life in God. And Jesus has this conversation where he says it's about the Spirit. And I actually believe that that's what it's about. And you, you can't control it, and you can't manufacture it, and you can't make it happen. It just does, and when it does, you, you sometimes experience it and see it and go, wow, God was present. Such a beautiful and amazing moment. And I actually think that that little statement, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, was simply a reminder to the community gathered that they were in love with one another and that they were finding a way to experience what it meant to live in the midst of a difficult, challenging time when nothing was going particularly well and yet they could feel strengthened and comforted by those around them. Those of you who are going to be confirmed and received and reaffirm your vows, you are being invited into a community such as this, a community that believes that it is possible to be in the presence of God here and now today and that you can be a part of that. And when you come before uh, me and we, we lay hands on you, there'll be a bunch of people around you and everybody in this place will be praying for you as we invite the Holy Spirit to be present with you. Now, you too need a couple of short, pithy statements to remind you, and we actually have those in, um, in, in our service today. Earlier, Julia was afraid, afraid I was talking with my scissors in my hand, and she was, she was worried that people weren't going to listen because they didn't know what I was going to do with the scissors. I love these scissors. It has a tag on it. It says, keep in desk. How do you use scissors if they're in the desk? I don't understand that. The other side says, not on flowers. We got it. Okay. So if you will look in your, your, your little um, bulletin on page six, we do this thing in just a minute called the baptismal covenant. And we ask you if you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I remind you now that the word belief there means what you give your heart to. And then after that, we have five questions of you. We say, 
Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? And will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? And what I suggest is that those are short, pithy statements about how you get into the kingdom of God. And what I suggest is you take this home with you today, and when you get home, you get your scissors out, and you just cut that little piece out. And stick it on your refrigerator. And every morning, take a look at it because it will remind you of who you are and whose you are and how you can be a part of the kingdom of God now and forever. Amen.